Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. And we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse number 22. And the Bible says, what? And this one word is used as a strong rebuke. And it really is fitting because they're making a mockery of the Lord's Supper. You ever have your kids do something and, the, and, and it's just, what? You have something happen? Well, this is what that word what is that's coming in with this question mark. It's a strong rebuke. Have you not houses to eat and to drink in? It's the self-gratification of comfort food that this church has fallen into. They are more consumed with attending to their physical appetites than getting filled spiritually. And it says, have ye not houses to eat and to drink in? Or despise ye the church of God? To despise, it means to scorn. It's, it means to hold something in a very, very low regard. Or despise ye the church of God? It's not as important. Matter of fact, their physical food, their physical meals, their physical needs are of the high regard. That's what's more important to them. And they've despised the house of God. And it goes on to say, and shame them that have none. They would rather shame their fellow brothers and sisters in Christ that have not. Who's those that have not? Well, the poor people. They're coming to the Lord's Supper. You've got social classes that they're splitting up into. Rich folks over here, poor folks over here, and then just add whatever else is going on. And they'd rather just shame those that don't have. You, you can afford the rich food. Well, you poor, poor folks sit over there. All they're doing is thinking of themselves. It says, and shame them that have not. That's a shameful thing to shame a poor person. Try to outdo them because you have something that they don't. It's not Christian at all. You know, despising the church of God. Leviticus chapter 26, the Lord talks about he brought them out of the land of Egypt. And they're despising his statutes. And he told them, you despise my statutes, it's going to be terror I'll bring upon you. It's going to be your enemies will rule over you. <laughs> Lord brought them out of Egypt. You would think that they would want to follow his statutes. Much like today, we've got eternal life. We're washed in the blood of the lamb. You would think God's people would want to not despise what he's given us. And they're coming to the Lord's table and they're despising it. And they've just made a complete mess of it. And I would like to say to you this evening, the church house is not designed for physical feasting and physical meals and physical food. Do we have church fellowships? Yes, we do. <laughs> you know, the church and the potlucks and all this, and you have dinner on the grounds and and you can attract a lot more people, by the way, if you do more dinner on the grounds. <laughs> you put that on Facebook, you boost that post. Hey, dinner on the grounds, Sunday at five, hot dogs and beans and cornbread. Before you know it, you'll have more people here. Why? It's a physical mood, a, a meal. They can, they can feel good about themselves. 
because they're getting their physical appetites fed. Look, we will do church fellowships. You know that. We have done them. We will have luncheons together after church services. You know that. We've done it. We will fellowship with each other and enjoy meals together. And that is biblical and that is that is a great thing to do. And you know that we do that. But when we come corporately into the church house, it is to get spiritually fed. We need spiritual nutrition that comes from the word of God, not from physical meals and physical food. They are coming to the Lord's Supper and they want to have their bellies full, not their souls filled, not their spirits filled. Every day there's a gathering socially for meals physical meals and and you've got Sunday and you've got Thursday where you can gather together and get some spiritual nutrition now should you be getting it on your own throughout the week yes but the point I'm making is they're coming together for the Lord's Supper but it ain't the Lord's Supper it's their supper if you look at first Corinthians chapter number 11 we already went through this stuff it talks about um it talks about heresies, drunkenness, um, all of the dysfunction and the, and the disorder that goes along with that. If you took all of that out of the equation and you just had, they were coming together and feasting on physical food and the Lord wasn't in it, that's enough. That right there is enough to say, you're out of line. You're out of line. Despise you, the church of God. We are all in a local church of God. There are many churches, although there is only one church of God. Does that make sense? We don't all go to the same local church, but we are all part of the same church of God. And so when we draw that out, I want you to get this view. It's not that they're just despising the 10 or 20 or 30 or however many people are in that local assembly, that's bad enough. Draw the lens back. It's the church of God. Meaning this thing is bigger than here. The Corinthian church, one of the things that they missed was the thing was bigger than that. just them coming together. You've despised the church of God. How do you become an example church? How do you become an example local church? Well, by not doing that. By not doing what they're doing in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Word spreads. Okay. You imagine somebody visiting for the Lord's Supper. And we've got folks drunk over here. Rich people over here with some rich food. Poor people just trying to fit in any way they can because they're being shamed. And someone comes and visits. You know what's going to happen? That word's going to spread. They're going to go out and say, I don't know what Pilgrim is doing, but they completely messed up that Lord's Supper. It's the church of God. We can't lose that broad focus. Sometimes we get so narrow-minded into what we do, we need to be careful of that type of narrow way, okay? 
yeah, it is a narrow way, but we don't want to be so narrow-minded that we forget that there's a bigger scope and view. Don't despise the church of God. Okay, so I want to talk to you a little bit about food in the sanctuary. Church, uh, having meals and eating food in the church house. In the old days, the churches used to have signs. You know, it'd be right when you come in. No food or drink in the church. <laughs> There's some churches I do still, you know, they have signs that say no tobacco products on the property. But, you know, they'd have signs that say no food or drink in the sanctuary. The modern church, look, do we all want the church house to be clean? We all want the carpet to be clean. We desire excellence in all that we do. I don't want coffee spilling. I don't want candy wrappers being opened in the middle of my, my, my two stories. One, when we had first started, this brother came and he'd bring his coffee to church. And we were just in this little place. And uh, he said to me, uh, hey, does it bother you or do you mind if I drink coffee when I when I come into church? And I said, uh, it doesn't really bother me. But, I mean, it could be a distraction to others. It could welcome others to bring beverages. And the next thing you know, we've got everybody sipping coffee. And I said, but... um." Look, I'm just happy you're here. We're starting off. You, you pray about it. Do what the Lord wants you to do. And, uh, well, he was helping out with song, and he pleaded the song. And uh, wouldn't you know it, the coffee spills. And it's and it's getting all over, you know, you know how it goes. It spills, and then start, some starts coming off, and it's on the chair. And the next thing you know, it's on the carpet. So, I'm... I'm kind of teasing him when he's up there because he's seen it happen. And I'm going and getting some paper towels. and I'm, I'm cleaning it up and all this. And, um, well, he got his answer from the Lord. <laughs> Look, it can be it can be distracting. Now, was his motive the motive that we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 11? Of course not. That was not his motive. He wasn't trying to make a mess of things. He had the right heart motive. It's just that one thing there can turn and all of a sudden it's a big distraction. And that's what it turned into. So when people say, hey, we'll keep the food and drink out of the sanctuary. That's all it's for. That's all it's for. You got kids eating fishies and stuff and you're trying to keep the kids quiet. OK, we don't need to have a rule about that. That makes sense. I mean, you know, everybody OK. I don't want to get anybody up, upset at me, but. So the modern church says this, we need to have signs that are welcoming, not unwelcoming. Now, we never plan to put a, a sign that says, hey, no food or drink in the sanctuary. We don't want to come across as unwelcoming. And. But there's another side of this I'd like to bring to your attention. We live in a snowflake generation. I'm not kidding. I'm talking about grown men. They're supposed to be men, grown men that just can't stand or tolerate 
a rule or a restriction or some type of limit that would say, hey, look, we don't want you having a pizza party in the middle of church. <laughs> and so they go down to one of these other churches and they're just salivating, waiting to hear about a testimony that says, yeah, that mean preacher down there, they wouldn't let me eat a Subway sandwich during church service. Can you believe that? Because this idea of come as you are, what is behind that? No expectations, no rules, no limits. You just come and do. Do what you want, think what you want, act like you want, dress like you want, eat what you want. No expectations, no limits. Why are you saying that, Brother Jimmy? I'm saying that because God does expect some things from us. I'm saying that because when we come together, especially for the Lord's Supper, you think we should be more concerned with our bellies or our souls and our spirits. If somebody has a medical condition, that's one thing. But if you can't go on an hour and a half without sipping water or having something to eat, you've got to bring that thing to the Lord. Now, if you're sick and you've got a condition or you're elderly, I am not talking about those situations that tend to be the exception, not the rule. I'm talking about us coming for the right reasons with the right heart attitude. Modern church is not concerned with doctrinal truth. Matter, matter of fact, doctrine doesn't matter to them. They're looking to make you feel a certain way. Where isn't food and drink allowed? You don't bring it in the doctor's office, do you? No. You don't bring it into the classroom. Well, you're all deprived kids. You're, you're homeschooled. <laughs> but, but if you went to public school, you're not walking in there with McDonald's, Burger Slop. You're not walking in there with that junk. You know why they say this is not your grandma's church? Because it's stiff grandma with all the rules and you don't want to get anything spilled on her plush white carpet and you know the plastic over the over the sofa and all that because it's that's why they say that. I take offense to that. Don't offend my grandmother. I take offense to that. Don't 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 offend and insult the senior saints that probably have some more wisdom. Than the 29-year-old who got himself somehow behind the pulpit. Why are you afraid of grandma? I'll tell you what they're afraid of. Somebody might say, hey, you shouldn't do that. And all of a sudden, the snowflake melts. I'm telling you, young people, get used to authority. You need to understand authority is there. Authority is everywhere. I used to fly a lot on airplanes. What do you think? I go on the airplane and say, I'm the authority. No, the stewardess is the authority. Sit here, sir. No, put your luggage up here, sir. Well, I don't want to. Okay, get off the plane. And people comply. Yet when they come to church and the preacher has a rule or the church house has a rule, all of a sudden is, where's that in the Bible? Where's that attitude in the Bible? 
Why do you have such a problem with a senior saint or a leader from a church or a preacher saying, hey, can we kind of just dial it back with the whole having to eat a full-blown meal in the middle of a church service? Well, I'm hungry. Wait. You, know, you bring your little kids to church, and you know, when they were younger, you know, you'd have the snacks because you're trying to train them to listen in church and all that. There's a time and a place, okay? There's a time and a place. You can always feed the child on the way to church, right? Right? Where is food and drink allowed? The movie theaters, the sports stadiums, the music concerts, and the Six Flags Over Jesus church model. Because that's what they're modeling their church over after. Movie theaters, concerts. Oh, well, that's just inviting. I always thought that having the word of God was enough invitation for me. And so they're designing the feeling, they're designing the stage, they're designing everything about it. You're welcome to come as you are. But behind that is no expectations. I have news for you, young people. Your parents have expectations for you. Your God, Christian brothers and sisters, has expectations for you and for me and for our church. Not because he's a mean God, but because he's a loving God and he wants what's best. And when we come together as a fellowship, hunger pangs, you don't need to run and get food. You're not going to die. I'm hungry. You'll live. Oh, if Christian young people would just get a hold of, I'm hungry for the word of God. I'm thirsting for the word of God. I got to get to church. It's midweek service. I got to get there. It's Sunday morning. I got to get there. The word of God is going to be preached. God's people are going to gather together. Oh, God, I'm so hungry for that. Can we treat that like we treat? I just got to have my midnight snack. I just got to have my, my midday snack. We won't miss a meal. We'll miss a church service. We won't miss a supper, but we'll miss the Lord's Supper. I know everybody's got different situations and different things going on. I'm just saying we won't miss a physical meal. Modern church can't stand rules. They argue this way. People have to feel like they belong. And we want people to feel like they belong. And I'd submit to you, we're a modern church. We're just getting started. But people, people, it's okay for them to feel convicted. It's okay. It's better for people to hunger for truth rather than to have to feel a certain way. We want to give people truth.
So they say, well, don't make it look like a place that they don't like to go to. And so this is why they designed around these different types of uh, modern entertainment center. Casual atm atmosphere, no expectations, no rules, no limits. Get First Timothy chapter 6. First Timothy chapter 6. I read this one thing. It said, no food or drink in the sanctuary. And then it said, you know, I've never seen a cup of coffee or a donut walk into a worship service without a person attached. And lots of churches with strict rules about drinks and food in the sanctuary are in dire need of people. In other words, the joke is on the conservative church. They don't have as many people as this big mega outfits are going. And so they say, you see. If you would just allow them to have coffee and donuts. If you would just set up the coffee shop, you just have more people and that's your problem. You don't make people feel welcome. Look at the Bible says the first Timothy chapter six, verse 17. First Timothy chapter six. Verse number 17, the Bible says, charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. You know what I got when I got saved? You know what you got when you got saved? All things that you need to be happy and content and fulfilled in this life. I'm telling you, I'm excited to come to church. To be fed spiritually. Anybody wants a cup of coffee? We have a kitchen downstairs. Show up 10 or 20 or 30 minutes before church. You can go downstairs in the kitchen. It is the church house. It's for your use. Make yourself a cup of joe. But I will not be setting Dunkin' Donuts up in the lobby and inviting the neighborhood out to come out and enjoy some munchkins. Why? Because I think it was Spurgeon that says, because whatever you win them with, you will have to keep them with. And we don't have enough money to keep overweight America coming back for more donuts. Okay? <laughs> we're, we're trimming the fat here at Pilgrim Baptist. Amen. <laughs> All right. There's one preacher that I used to know in New Jersey used to always say, can I get a witness? <laughs> <laughs> God's given us richly all things to enjoy. What things? What things? Look at verse number one in First Timothy chapter six. What things? Uh, uh, is it verse number? Uh, verse number one. Watch what it says at the end of verse number one. That the name of God and His doctrine. You know what God gave us? Doctrine. Look at verse number three. The Bible says that uh, if any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine. You know what God gave us when we got saved? He gave us some doctrine to believe in. Truth matters. Doctrinal truth is important. What is that doctrine according to? Look at the end of verse three. It's according to godliness. 
Let's set up a coffee bar and not have any expectations from anybody. No. How about we give you doctrine and expect you to live godly? Come as you are, leave living more godly. Then come as you are next week and leave living more godly. That's not the modern message of this church, this Six Flags church today. It's come as you are, stay as you are. Come as you are, stay as you are. It's according to what? Doctrine is it's according to godliness. Why? Why? Why is doctrine important? Look at verse number five. Because people are destitute of the truth. Perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth. Why do we need to teach doctrine? Because people are dying of starvation of truth. That's why the Lord suffers about remembering what he did. Not about shaming poor people, not about getting drunk, not about having a physical feast. They're destined to the truth. And watch what it says. Supposing that gain is godliness. This modern church, Laodicean Christianity, is all about gaining when it should be about giving. We should give to our brothers and sisters. We should give to our church. We should give our time, our effort, all that we have to the service of the Lord. But it's about gaining from such, the Bible says, verse 5, withdraw thyself. But godliness, see it again, why do we need doctrine? Because people are destined to the truth. And, uh, it, 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 and why? So that we can live more godly. And then look at verse 6, godliness with contentment. Is great gain. There's the gain. It's not the gaining of physical riches. The Lord's Supper is not the gathering for physical feasting. You know what the result is? Look at verse number nine. You don't have doctrine. You won't have godliness. You'll have people destitute of the truth. They'll all about be gain, about gaining physical gain, riches. And the result will be this. Verse number nine. That they that be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. Temptation comes, snares come, drowning comes, destruction comes. I'm sticking with doctrine. I'm sticking with godliness. I'm sticking with that type of gain, not physical gain. I'll go with physical giving. How about you? How about you? Verse number 10. What else is the result? They will fall into, uh, uh, for the love of money. Verse 10 is the root of an evil of all evil. Which while some coveted after they have erred from the faith. Why? They didn't have truth. When you don't have doctrinal truth, you err from the faith. And you fall into covetousness. Okay. Verse number. Oh, so God gives a solution. Here's the solution. Verse number 11. To flee after th some things. Oh, man of God, flee these things. Follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, peace, uh, patience, meekness. Brother Kelly's uh, doing some lessons concerning the Holy Spirit. He did lesson number three last Sunday. Next time, uh, but he's going through these fruits of the spirit um, and, and, and good lessons. What is he doing? 
He's teaching us to flee after those things. If he says, hey, we're going to gather together at 10 and I'm going to serve food, I'm going to say, we can go get food afterward. We're here to get a rich, spiritually dense meal from the word of God. That's what we need to flee after. Number 12, we need to stay in the right fight, the good fight of faith. We shouldn't be worried about physical food when we come together. We shouldn't be worried about physical battles. Lay hold on eternal life. We're under thou art also called and professed a good profession before many witnesses. And then God charges. You know what the charge is in verse 13 and 14? Look at verse 14, that thou keep this commandment. How? Without spot, unrebukable. How long? Until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Until we're raptured out of here. Why don't we have our eyes on what's coming? What should we be looking for? The glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to be looking up, not down. We need to be looking up. Hold your head up, your chin high, your shoulders back, and your posture up. We're on the winning side. There's no, no reason for a depressed Christian that just continues to paddle down the sea of depression and sorrow. You've got victory. And God gave us a charge. Keep the commandments without spot, unrebukable. Until I come and get you out of here. Or until you die and go and be with me. One or the other. Why? Well, it's not like he's the king of kings. It's not like he's the Lord of lords. It's not like he's the omnipotent one. The only wise God. Oh, wait. Let's read the next verse. Maybe he might be. <laughs> Which in his times he shall show who is the blessed and only potentate. The king of kings and the Lord of lords. Who only hath immortality. Dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen or amen, depending on what side of the border you're on. I'm telling you, we have got to get a hold of, we serve an eternal God. He's immortal. Get over the fact that nobody can eat for an hour. Get over the fact that, well, the Lord suffers a little bit too long, and then we got to sit through Sunday service. No. Nobody says that at the banquet hall. When Ma and Pa invite everybody out to the, the big buffet, everybody gets there early. Everybody mingles in fellowships. Everybody grabs a plate, and they go around and feast. And then they go around and feast again because you got soup, you got salad, and then you got the main course. And then everybody fellowships and they hang out and then desserts serve. And everybody is fine. And then comes the coffee. 
And after everybody's had a good cup of coffee, they start to unwind and then they'll go home. And you say, preacher, are you saying there's anything wrong with that? No. I'm simply pointing out these are habits that we all do and are all accustomed to. And there is nothing wrong with it. The contrast that I'm trying to get us all to see this evening is, why don't we take the same approach with the Lord's Supper? And if it's supposed to be about the Lord, isn't it better than Denny's? It should be better than an hour at the awful house. Okay. That'd be waffle house for some of you diehards. Because you get to get be fed spiritually. And in the Corinthian church, when they gathered for the Lord's Supper, they could care less. To them, hey, we're just going to eat, drink, and be merry. And we could care less about the other people. We need to care about our people. We need to take care of our people. And the number one way we take care of them, just what we talked about, doctrine and making sure that people are fed spiritually, not just physically. Go to Psalm chapter 84, if you would. Psalm 84. Psalm 84, verse number 10. Psalms 84, verse number 10. The Bible says, For a day in, the, in thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. In the house of my God, it's more profitable, it's more desirous, it's where true happiness and joy can be found it's not from the banquet hall it's not from praises of men it's not from flattery given to you by people it's time spent in true communion with god's people and with god let's create some happy memories around that that we can rejoice over more people would just be praying oh god just make me a doorkeeper if i could only be a doorkeeper lord i don't even care if i'm uh, if i'm admitting him just let me sit at the threshold of the door and be able to look in and see God's people communing around God. I don't even have to come in, God. Just let me be at the door. I'd rather be at the door than feasting with the wicked. People have their priorities mixed up. I can't miss. There's a big special at the buffet. I can't miss. There's a big party. at. I can't miss. I got a free invitation to. Oh, God, just let me sit at the door. Don't even give me admittance. Let me just watch and see what's going on. If we would just get our priorities right. Proverbs 17. Proverbs 17. Last verse. Proverbs 17, verse number 22. The Bible says, 
a merry heart doeth good like medicine, and a broken spirit dryeth the bones. Look, I know that Jesus enjoyed a wedding in John chapter 2. I'm not using that chapter as a verse to set up Jehovah Java coffee shop at our local church, okay? <laughs> Jesus wasn't doing that when they were gathering together to hear the word of God, okay? Go to the weddings, go to the feastings, go to the family outings, do all that. We're talking about when the saints gather corporately. We're not going for a Starbucks-style coffee bar. It's not going to happen. We're not trying to set our lighting up so it looks like a Broadway show. We're not trying to create catchy sermon titles so we can kind of make a make a little connection with, with, with whatever the latest Hollywood movie is or whatever the most popular pop culture uh, music stars are doing. We're not doing that because we're not trying to reach someone's flesh. We're trying to reach their soul is what they need help with and nutrition for. And a merry heart is better. It's better. Better than what? Physical medicine. It's better than physical ointment. How are you going to explain a guy that gets thrown from a truck 30 feet and can't even hardly walk and has got back pain, neck pain, leg pain? Someone's in the hospital, has got cancer. Someone that it's hard for them to get around to church because of all the physical pain. I'm telling you, God says a merry heart is better than the relief that you can get if you were to get relief from that. It would do you no good if you don't have a merry heart. It would do you no good if you haven't been regenerated by the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, praise God, my back pain's gone. Well, I'll praise God with you, but if your heart ain't right, your heart ain't merry, it don't do nothing for you. Amen. That's a good time. It's a good place to say amen. You young ones don't know what it is to have back pain yet. You will. You will. You tell me. You got some old church members who are in the hospital. You tell me if they care what food's getting served. You tell me if they care what type of lighting you have. They're not worried about the physical need being met. They got some prayer requests. They got some prayer requests. A merry heart doeth good like medicine. But a broken spirit dryeth the bones. And so what Paul's doing in 1 Corinthians is he's trying to bring their spirit back to life. Because they just kind of dried up spiritually. God help us. That doesn't happen to us. Don't be dried up at the Lord's Supper. Come in with a merry heart. Don't worry about the physical medicine, the physical food, the physical need being met. We want some spiritual help. A merry heart is better than physical medicine. You want to reach people? Reach them with the word of God. Reach them with truth. The truth of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ. It don't matter if you're a cancer patient. It don't matter if you're a child, has no parent. It don't matter what type of physical need you're going through. 
We've got to be able to minister to people spiritually first and foremost. Physical needs come and go. Physical hungers come and go. And what they did in 1 Corinthians at the Lord's Supper, they made everything about attending to themselves. I will never attend, nor will I ever read a church about, a book about how to grow your church. I've got a book that I believe, and I've got instructions from God Almighty and he, that he preserved in his book. That's what I'm sticking with. But you will never see me go to one of these seminars or read any of these books or invite any speakers or preachers in that are going to show us how to grow our church. Because I can tell you what they're going to tell you. Attend to their physical needs. Do everything to make them comfortable and don't offend them. Make it look like a Broadway show. Make it look like a movie theater. Make it look like a concert. If you got boys coming to the church, put some pictures of pretty girls that are at the church that sign with signs that says Jesus loves you. And if you have a bunch of girls coming, put some handsome boys out there with slick haircuts and have them. It's all about appealing to the attraction of the flesh. That is what got them in trouble in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. They messed the whole Lord's Supper up because they had to have their fleshly carnal desires met. And I'm telling you, we've got to go way deeper than that. And we've got to minister to their spiritual needs. We're never going to be a smiling Joel church. All just, you know, this whole Joel Osteen thing, just smile and just move. No, we're not, we're not doing that. You're going to be attracted by the word of God. Or you're going to look for something else. Because if the fresh smell of coffee attracts you, you got the wrong place. If the word of God attracts you and doctrine attracts you and godliness attracts you, you're in the right place. And if you still love the fresh smell of coffee, then join me after service because I love coffee. But I certainly aren't. I'm certainly not setting up like they did in First Corinthians 11, this quote unquote coffee bar mentality. God so changed my life. He so changed my life that I don't need any of that stuff. I don't need it. I have no desire for it, for, to, to, for, for a church house to have. No desire. I want to know, is the word of God being preached? Are people getting saved? Are people witnessing? And are we caring about each other? Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.